So Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6, title of the sermon is Different from the Rest. Different from the Rest. Daniel chapter 6. Just want to start off by kind of asking a question from all of us. Do we find ourselves impressed with certain people in our lives? Are there certain people that you've encountered in your life? Maybe it's a person you've read and you just absolutely revere them. You, you find them, you hold them in high esteem as a person. And, and ask yourself that question, what is it about them that I really appreciate so much? I want you to think in, in, in your past, as you were growing up, as you're now an adult, who are the people that have made an impact in your life? And what did they impact you with? I would dare say that many different people have impacted us in our lives, and for different reasons. We'll get to some of that this morning. But I want to start off, we're going to look at eight different things here in Daniel chapter 6. I promise it will not take an hour and a half. We're going to get through this a lot faster um, than you would think. Uh, but we're going to look at eight different things. We're going to look at the position, verses 1 through 3, the opposition, verses 4 through 9, the response, verse 10, the entrapment, verses 11 through 13, the regret, verses 14 through 18, the deliverance, verses 19 through 23, the judgment, verse 24, and the proclamation, verses 25 through 28. Let's start reading in verse, verses 1 through 3, the position, the position. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So a quick little background on Daniel. He's actually the author of this book, and the main character of this book. He was actually originally taken away from Israel into captivity. He served under three different kings, and the third one we're going to be looking at this morning. He served under Nebuchadnezzar, then Belshazzar, and then we find him serving under Darius just as he has just overthrown Belshazzar after Belshazzar did not humble himself as his father did before God. Darius has actually heard of Daniel's reputation and decides to use his skills as an administrator in the kingdom. So Daniel's actually placed in a very high role in the kingdom. The satraps that are mentioned here in the text are more or less representatives, if you will, of the king. And they were to report to Daniel, who, who would then make sure that they're carrying out their roles and their duties. So a few things about Daniel, just to kind of give you a little background. Daniel moved from being a captive to a chief administrator over wise men under Nebuchadnezzar. Then he was forgotten by Belshazzar, who then promotes him to governor right away, only to be overthrown that very night when he proclaims that writing on the wall that everybody knows in the previous chapter here. As soon as Belshazzar has exited the scene, Darius decides, Daniel, he understands his reputation, he's already heard from many people, so he decides to put him over the satraps. He's actually a governor over them. Here we find that because Daniel outperforms the others in authority, the king is willing to possibly beset him over the whole realm of the kingdom. In fact, what we see here in the text, it says that Daniel had an excellent spirit about him. So what do we mean by excellent? 
Another, other words to describe excellent would be distinguished, something valuable, honorable, surpassing, and most noble. In fact, Daniel stood out because he did just much better than others did in his role. These men were accountable to him because they may have actually had tendencies to mismanage or be disloyal to the king themselves. In fact, Daniel didn't need to agree with the religious system of Babylon or Persia to serve honorably in surpassing the rest. And believer, you need to understand that just because others in the culture don't always agree with your religious perspective does not mean that you can't be a great employee for the company that you work for. That should not be an excuse. Many of us know people that stand out, and as I mentioned earlier, in our lives, whether it be at our jobs that we work, you people that you've worked with in the past, maybe our family, certain family members stand out from the rest, maybe our government, right? Like we have certain politicians we hear about all the time in the news. You realize there's a lot of senators and representatives you know nothing about because they're never mentioned in the news, and they're still working, they're still doing things. What about people in the church? Maybe it's here at Sovereign Grace Church. Maybe it's another church that you used to attend. Certain people that just stood out. Maybe it was the school you went to when you were growing up. You had that friend or buddy that you remember in class. They always stood out. Maybe they were the class clown. But regardless, they stood out, right? Our neighbors that we've had in the past, right? Like when you were growing up, the neighbors that you grew up with, you know, maybe they, some, some of them really stood out to you. We know people stand out for different reasons. In fact, some of the reasons people stand out for, I mean, maybe, maybe you're probably thinking this when I mentioned some of this, the people that were the loudest stood out, right? Like, out of the group, they were the loudest person, so that's why they stood out. Well, maybe, maybe they stood out because they were the funniest. Some people have a good sense of humor. You ever find people that just, they say a joke and it just never hit, and you just felt bad for them? Others would just say it, and everybody would laugh, right? Like, so some people, it's, it, they stood out in that way. What about those that were the smartest? There's certain people that you meet that their intellect absolutely impressed you. They, they were just smarter than the rest. What about those that were the most helpful? Maybe in a group of people that you knew, there were certain people that were always the most helpful out of those. I'm sure we also know people that stood out for this reason. They were the rudest they were the most obnoxious to be around. They were the ones we really wanted to ignore, but they always stood out to us for that reason. No matter what the different reasons that people stand out, how many would you say in your life, in my life, stood out like Daniel did with an excellent spirit, with a faithful spirit to serve, distinguished, honorable, above the rest? You see, they stood out because they gave it their all. People with an excellent spirit, they stand out because they give their all. And as one translation actually puts it here, the word excellent is translated extraordinary. Extraordinary. If you stand out and outdo others, as this text says with Daniel, be sure that opposition itself is going to follow. In fact, it doesn't stop right there. You'd think, hey, Daniel's got it going for him. He's, he's in charge of a lot of things. Well, with a lot of things that you're in charge of come a lot of responsibilities and then people that oppose. So number two, the opposition, verses four through nine. Read, look at these verses. It says, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king 
and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, the text doesn't specifically tell us what, what irritated these men specifically about Daniel. We could speculate based on what we see as a response and what they're bringing before the king that Daniel just outdid them in a lot of things. But I would argue as what, what you're looking at here is something even deeper at its root, and I've really never noticed this before. Notice when it says, we shall not find any charge, in verse 5, against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Well, here's a point of difference between these men and Daniel, and guess what one of those is? Guess who Daniel served that they didn't? Jehovah. So because Daniel actually worshipped Jehovah, these men were also appalled by his standard of conduct because he was serving better than they were, yet he was worshipping a different God. You see the first form of anti-Semitism right here. You see them opposing Daniel because he's not believing the way they do as well. Believers, just because we don't believe like the rest of the world does does not mean that we should not be the best at what God's gifted us to do. May that opposition that people have to us be regarding our faith and not because of what we've done in the job. Anti-Semitism is very much prevalent today as it was in Daniel's time. And it needs to be called out whenever it rears its ugly head. In fact, there's a movement right now that's aligned with anti-Semitism that no one's paying attention to. It's very, very prevalent in our country right now. These men, knowing that Daniel was an honest, hardworking governor and was faithful to the king, found themselves without something to get him in trouble for. The only thing they could trip him up was by going against his, his faith as a tool to show disloyalty to the king. If it came to obeying God or the government, Daniel was going to side with God first. And they knew that. No one could argue, though, that Daniel was the best at his job. They couldn't argue against that. In fact, here's what's interesting. Darius, as he's approached, here's what seems to be a wonderful proposal, right? They're, they just come up to him and say, hey, for 30 days, people should just pray and give, uh, bring homage just to you, King Darius. Sounds like a good thing to, to, to bring before the king. And if it's broken, they're to be thrown into the den of lions. Just a, a little background for you. Babylonians... And you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They would burn those that opposed. The Persians would throw them to lions. So that's the difference in the way that they would deal with criminals in their kingdom. What's interesting is the deception here is quite stunning by these people. They told the king that all the governors and representatives were on board with this proposal. Guess who was not on board with that proposal? And yet they said, all the governors are behind this. So Darius is assuming that Daniel's behind this as well. Obviously, they left out Daniel for a reason, right? 
The goal is really to trip him up. Once Darius signs this, there is no amendment that, be, that can be made. You know how we have amendments as a nation, amendments to the Constitution, right? They didn't have that. They didn't even have that option. Once it's signed, you couldn't change it. Every one of us would like to think that we would be a Daniel in the situation, right? We would serve God faithfully, and others would oppose us for our faith. But how many times have we looked down at others that God has blessed because of their work and their struggle to get somewhere in life? And we almost would be thrilled to see them fall from grace. To the point where we secretly are glad when we see some mishaps in their lives. Let's not be too quick to think that we're the Daniel in the story, guys. Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, don't be surprised when the laws are passed to oppose your faith. It shouldn't be surprising. In fact, it will get to the point where it will be more and more difficult for you to practice your faith as you should. We've been very fortunate in this country. We have this thing called religious freedom that other nations don't have so readily available to them. That's what makes America great. Now, church, if we're going to have the government oppose us, may it be for our faith, not because we've broken all the other laws and we're not good citizens. It's important that we make that distinction. If there was a law to convict you because of your faith, would there be enough evidence to convict you of that, believer? Number three, let's take a look at the response. Verse number 10, the response. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. So, when laws are written that discriminate against your faith, like Daniel's, what are you going to do? Believer, what are you going to do? Are you going to do what you've been doing? Or are you going to change some things? How faithful are you right now before laws like this have ever been passed? You see, many Christians say that they're being persecuted for their faith, but the question is, is there enough evidence to convict them of that right now as they live? Do we pray faithfully like Daniel does here, consistently? Remember, it's his custom. He did this all the time. Nothing changed. It wasn't like Daniel decided to pray more often now that the law was passed. I think Christians kind of might do that, because now that we know there's something that's going to be opposing us, we're going to just be even more intense to go ahead and do it. Believer, how faithful are you before anything like this has ever passed? Would you pray more or would you pray less if something like this was passed? If you were faithful like Daniel, you'd continue doing what you've been doing and nothing would have to change. If you want your faith in God to be what it ought to be, then work on it right now. For example, you started the year off, we, we encourage everybody in the church to read the Word, right? Get in the Word until the Word gets in you. How you been doing? If you haven't been doing it, get back in the Word. How consistent are you in praying? And I'm not saying the 
Thank you, Lord, for this food. Amen. I'm saying a prayer truly repenting before God, confessing sin, praying for the needs of this church, praying for your family, praying for your nation. Have you given up on giving? Start giving. God calls you to give because He's a giver. The best day to prepare for the future was yesterday. The next best day is today. Start. We need to be consistent like Daniel. We need to not shift with what's going on in culture. Stay the course. Stay faithful. Let's look at number four, the entrapment. Number four, the entrapment. Verses 11 through 13. It says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they, went, and they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, notice that they go back to his history, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And king, it's not to you, it's to his God. Daniel's caught praying and is reported for doing so against the king's order. What's interesting is the approach that these men take. They decided to write a decree for 30 days. They figured 30 days was enough to get Daniel. It probably only took him a day. It didn't even take the full 30. And yet, when you think about it, they were so sure that doing this was going to entrap Daniel. This was all it was going to take. Just write a law for 30 days. It expires in 30 days. We'll get him. In fact, they would just say, Daniel, he just doesn't want to obey your law. He's still praying to his God king. They couldn't entrap Daniel in any other way except for his relationship with God. Oh, that that would be said of us. That people couldn't trap us except for our faith in God. If others find us offensive because we love God, may that be true of us as it is of Daniel. Believer, you and I, we live lives that people in the world constantly analyze. And when people see that there's a difference in us, what is that difference that we're talking about? Some disciples of Christ give Jesus a bad name and a bad rep because they themselves are not faithful. It's not Christ who's unfaithful, it's us. If we would be like Daniel to where people see that difference and they know the only thing that people could trip us up with would be our faith in God and trying to find something that would be used against us in that. Let's look at number five, the regret, verses 14 through 18. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, 
Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel may not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. So Darius, when he realizes that Daniel was the reason they wrote this law, he realized that he was tricked. He's tricked. He's absolutely upset with himself that he even wrote this law. He could not go back on it, though. He couldn't change the law because he loved Daniel. He had to follow through and throw Daniel in with the lines. So here's a, here's a personal point of application. You and I, we're going to have regrets over things that others have done to deceive us, or maybe even self-deception in our own lives. And we wish that we could have seen it sooner or done something earlier. But sometimes that situation needs to play out, and we need to let God be God. God still is going to work certain things out in our lives, even when we don't understand how exactly that's going to work. There are definitely things that you and I can't go back on in our lives. But once we've committed certain things, there are certain consequences for those decisions we've made. And we need to let those consequences ride out providentially. What's even worse here, though, is that Darius is the reason Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. Daniel wouldn't be thrown into the lion's den if it wasn't Darius signing off on this. He actually wrote the law as he was consulted. So parents, teachers, any of us that are given any authority in our lives, though we might not have it to Darius' level, our decisions impact others that are walking before God. There are certainly regrets that we'll have in the way we've led others, in ways that we may have actually caused pain and hurt towards others. But I want to encourage you, parent, teacher, those of you that are in authority, God is sovereign. He's going to still work things out. It might not work out the way you and I want, but God is in control over all things. And instead of putting faith and trust in yourself that you're going to make everything better, go put your faith and trust in Him and redirect them to, them, to Him as well. You can hope, you can pray, but ultimately it's God that has to do the things in our lives. The only one that could save Daniel at the end of the day was God Himself. When it comes to others, when you pray and ask God to do something, do you trust that he's actually able to do it? Or do you think a certain amount of prayers is what's going to happen, what's going to have to happen for that to happen? Where are you putting your faith? Is it in your performance? Is it in your prayer life? Is it how much you read the word? Or is it in him? You can't fix the disasters in your life. That's apart from you and me. That is one of the reasons why we need to step back and let God take care of the situation, just like he does here with Daniel. Oh, there are regrets for Darius, big regrets. 
He can't believe that he actually let this happen to Daniel. But at the end of the day, Darius says, my hands are tied. I can't do anything about it now. Let's look at number six, the deliverance, verses 19 through 23. It says, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. This is an incredible portion of the text itself. After waiting the whole night, Darius just can't sleep. He gets up really early in the morning in tears to see if Daniel's still alive. And Darius is absolutely overjoyed to see that Daniel has been saved. In fact, when he hears from Daniel that God sent an angel to stop the mouth of the lions, he's just absolutely overjoyed. He's beyond thrilled. Because you know what? Darius couldn't do anything to stop this. Such an excellent application here for us. If God delivers, there's no guarantee here or with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they were going to survive the punishment that they had. There was no guarantee. There are other people, faithful men and women in all of Scripture that have been, that were killed for their faith. John the Baptist lost his head. He wasn't delivered. When God delivers, he gets the credit completely. Your prayer doesn't get the credit. Your extra giving doesn't get the credit. Nothing we do in and of ourselves will get the credit that God deserves, and it shouldn't. Notice what it says, because Daniel believed in his God. God is the only one to be trusted. Daniel couldn't beg Darius to change the situation for him. And when people come to us and they beg and plead, help, please, you know what the best thing for us is? It's for people to pray for us that God helps. Because as much as we may help one another, God helps at another level. God can fix things we can't help others with. We can be encouragement, but you know what the best encouragement you can offer somebody else? It's found in here. It's not found in a poem that you write. It's not found in a simple cliche statement. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. We need more than that. We need God's word himself. We need God speaking to us. God is the only one that could be trusted. Daniel couldn't trust his work ethic to get him out of that mistake that Darius made in writing that law against him. 
Believer, let me, let, me, let me pause for a second and warn you right now. Working hard is great. Some of you are type A personality. I'm one of them. But working hard doesn't fix every problem. Would you agree that Daniel probably outworked all these men? I'm sure we all agree with that one. But with him outworking all these men did not provide him security at the end, right? It was only God himself that could provide him the security he needed. Imagine the joy that we could have if we paused and all the things that people have brought to our attention that we prayed for and we saw God change in their lives and we just decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to give God the credit for that entirely. It was providential that that person came to you that day, believer. If you believe in the sovereignty and providence of God, then you need to understand that when people come to you and me for solutions or help in certain areas, it's providential that they can. God sent them our way. And it's all of grace, believer. It's not of works. It's not of anything we've done. We may even unintentionally make things worse for people. You ever done that? You ever have somebody come to you for help and you actually made it worse? That's never happened to you. I can, I can list the times I've done it. I tried to help the situation, I only made it worse. Someone wanted an encouraging word, I just blasted them with something they didn't need to hear. Well, you know, if you did this and this and this, you wouldn't have this result. Well, no kidding, I'm already at this result. Thanks for reminding me. Number seven, the judgment. Verse 24. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. It's a very simple point here in the text. The very trap that you set for others will be the trap that gets you. In fact, Proverbs makes the statement in verse, uh, chapter 26, verses 27, 28. It says, if you set a trap for others, you will be caught in it yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush you instead. These men set the trap for Daniel, guess what happened? It backfired. It backfired. And guess who else had to pay? Their families did. You want to put others down so you look better? Be prepared to be put down yourself. You want to cheat your way into a prominent position like these men did? Be prepared to have someone cheat you out of your position later on. Don't look to misconstrue others so you look better to yourself and those around you. Look at what Proverbs 27 verse 2 says. It's very simple. Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth. It's very easy for us to show off and try to pretend that we're better than we are. It's very easy for us to want the applause of others. To, to the point where we actually have to proclaim to others how wonderful we are. The 
really, the only proclamation that needs to be made is a proclamation to state that God is who He is and He's to be worshipped. Number eight, the proclamation. Verses 25 through 28. Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the, king, in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Here's what's incredible. Daniel's testimony impressed Darius so much that Darius then trusted this God. Darius himself found God to be who he said he was through Daniel. And he actually makes a declaration throughout the kingdom to declare to everybody that God of Daniel, the God of Daniel, Jehovah, he's the one that should be worshipped. I believe with all my heart, believer, that if we lived lives that were different from the rest of the world, they would want to see more of God than us. We try to bring people to Christ, but we end up getting in the way many times. And the reason we get in the way is because we have ourselves to portray to others. Are you reflecting Him, or are you constantly shielding others from seeing who He is in your life? You see, you could try to go out of your way to show people that God matters and He's important in your life, but if all they see is you, then you haven't reflected Him properly. I believe in, with all my heart that if Christians live faithful lives like Daniel, we would see others in this country come to saving faith. Our nation desperately needs to see the gospel message lived out in our lives. But that gospel message needs to be proclaimed by those who live like Daniel did with an excellent spirit. So in conclusion, just a simple question, very simple question. What stands out about you? What stands out about you? Is it what we see here about Daniel? Is it the excellent spirit that's in him, that faithful spirit? You see, you don't need to be the loudest or the smartest to make the most impact. You just need to be faithful and value God, and that will make yourself valuable to others as well. Let's pray.